like that. You want to try that. It's like a Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Before we get into what, whatever the hell we're going to talk about today, whatever it may be, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on all forms, social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. With the show's Instagram Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show one, Facebook and YouTube search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and subscribe on both. Check out some blog posts, YouTube videos, whatever. And of course, most importantly, make sure if you're not already subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and leave a rating out of five stars on both, and leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now. This weekend was pretty, pretty hectic. It was a pretty hectic weekend, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Like, this weekend was a crap ton of driving and a lot of emotion, a lot of just energy. It, like, what do you want to call it? Just exuded on this weekend. So, for those of you who did not know, I didn't want to say anything on the show because I always have a problem with people doing this. Like... You see it on Snapchat and Instagram more than anything, but like when people post on their stories and go like, "Oh, I can't believe I made it to 25," or "It's my birthday today," or whatever, just acknowledge, just announcing that it's their birthday. I personally hate that more than anything. It's one of my least favorite things in the entire world is when people try to hype up their birthday because you're begging people just go, "Oh, you should say happy birthday to me." No, if you say happy birthday to me, that's cool. I'm not gonna get all butt hurt if you don't say happy birthday. I've had. Some of my longest friends, some family members, didn't send me happy birthday this weekend. And there's people I barely talked to that sent me happy birthday messages. So I don't really, I, it doesn't really bother me if you say happy birthday to me or not, but I'm definitely not going to post it anywhere. I'm not going to post about it. I'm not going to talk about it on the show. So now that the birthday's passed, now it's fine. Now we can talk about it. So my birthday was on Friday. I turned 25 years old, 11-11-1997. 25 Hung out with my parents and grandparents during the afternoon, went to lunch with them, and we had Chick-fil-A for lunch, mostly because I couldn't think of anything, and that's usually where my mom and Nana go for lunch, so that was what we ended up doing. It's not necessarily something I was, like, dying to have, but it was a safe option that I knew everybody would semi-enjoy to a certain extent. I know there's not a lot of people that dislike Chick-fil-A, the food. Like, it's, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's a safe option. It's a very safe option. It's chicken. You can't really go wrong with chicken too often, right? And then I hung out with some friends on Friday night. We went to Smash Park, which is a place over in West Des Moines. Had some friends over beforehand as well at my apartment. Not a lot of them had seen the apartment. Some of them had seen the apartment. A few of them had not yet. We just hung out there for about an hour and then went down to Smash Park. We watched some Jeff Hardy highlights on YouTube or the WWE. We sat around and just talked. They were on the couch. We were were just having a good time before we went to Smash Park. And then... I don't know if it was the people below me. I don't know if it was the people to the left of me. Or it depends on which way you're facing. I guess the people down the hall, like if you turned around the stairs and then you went to that side, either you'd see them right there. Banged on either the stair, the, the ceiling or the wall. And let me, my, let me remind you this. We were there for an hour. We had music playing softly. Like I just had it for ambiance purposes. It was J.I.D.'s latest album, which, speaking of that, J.I.D., Denzel Curry, Joey Badass, uh, Conway the Machine, like, these people not getting nominated for Grammys, and yet we get to see DJ Khaled, Jack Harlow, and Future nominated? Really? Over those three that we just mentioned? Or those four? How many did we mention? Four of them? Joey, Conway, J.I.D., Denzel Curry, like, 
Come on, man. Like, the Grammys are already a joke as it is, now you're just making them laughable. Like, even more laughable than they already are. But we had J.I.D.'s The Forever Story playing, just on loop, just to have something in the background, and we weren't loud at all. And it's 7.30 on a Friday. 7.30 on a Friday, and you're gonna bang on the wall. What kind of life do you lead to where you're banging on someone's wall at 7.30 on a Friday night? If it was Sunday, sure, I kind of have a... Somewhat of a, okay, yeah, I can understand we're being too loud Sunday. You got to get up for the next morning. What the hell are you doing on Saturday that you need to go to bed at 7.30 or you're quieting down at 7.30? You lamos. I, I wish I knew which one of them it was. I would be super loud and like bang on the wall back or stomp on the floor because I didn't hear it. Everybody else heard it and then stared at me. I was in the kitchen. I was actually turning down the speaker. It wasn't loud to begin with, but I was like, oh, let's turn it down a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, I turn around and everybody's looking at me. I was like, what was that? And they said someone just banged on the wall. Now, it could be a completely unrelated incident. Maybe it's something that we had nothing to do with. Maybe it didn't involve us at all. And we're just blaming them for banging on the wall. But man, that, that kind of frustrated me a little bit. Because that's going to change my plans throughout the rest of my existence at this apartment complex. Like, come on. Come on. No one in this, on, ne, that lives next to me on my, either side of me or below me is above the age of 35. You're banging on the, wind, the roof or the ceiling or the wall as a mid-20-year-old to early 30s? Really? Really? Like, I was downstairs last night watching the Monday Night Football game between the... What was the game, even? I don't even remember. What was the game? Commanders versus the Eagles. And I heard some music on the opposite wall. I was like, oh, God, you better... You bet if my neighbors were around there when that music was playing, you best believe there'd be a freaking hole in the wall. Goodness gracious. We had the volume on and everything. We could hear the music. Like it was, oh man, I was chomping at the bits to bang at the wall. If you're someone who do, does that, screw you. Absolutely screw you, okay? Like it's Friday night. It's 7.30. There's nothing happening. Wait, either, there was, um. so let me count how many people were there on Saturday or on Friday, I mean. So it was me, obviously. Then we had Preston. We had Brady. These are the first two. Uh, Brady arrived first, then Preston. Then we had Jared, Miranda, Alec, Liberty, and Andrew. So we had eight people there. Eight people. It wasn't a rager. There was barely music playing. There was no alcohol getting consumed at the time. I think Brady might have cracked open a bush light or something, but there's no alcohol there either. So it wasn't even a party. We were just watching WWE highlights. That was literally it. And the lamos around us just decided to bang on the wall. Smash Park was fun. I realized I'm really bad at bags. Didn't know how bad at bags I was until Friday night. Good God. Goodness gracious. But it was fun. Friday night was a lot of fun. And then Saturday, I had a wedding down in Washington, Missouri for my longest friend, really, at William Penn, Brett. Uh, known him. I met him like... We were both quarterbacks. We came in the freshman year in 2016. We were both quarterbacks, and we came in together, and we hung out every Thursday night. Well, almost every day, but then Thursday night specifically was when we get together in another friend Nedrick's room. It was me, Nedrick, Brett, and Donovan. We'd hang out there, watch football, do whatever, and just hang out. And I met Abby numerous times throughout the time. That's who we got married to. They've been dating since high school. It was a seven-year wedding, wedding anniversary. Seven-year date anniversary of dating. That's weird to say. Seven-year anniversary of dating. It was just their seven-year anniversary on Saturday, which happened to be the day they were getting married. It was very cool, very big venue. I'm not Catholic, so I didn't know how to do all the different things. I know the Lord's Prayer, which I don't know if this is sad. Probably is sad. 
I didn't learn the Lord's Prayer in church. I learned the Lord's Prayer during football in high school. Junior year of high school is when I learned the Lord's Prayer. I knew of it, didn't know what was getting said. So we didn't do it before games in high school. Wouldn't have known it. But we did it before games in high school. We did it after games at college. And yeah, met Abby a few times. A few times. I met her a lot. Or hung out with her a lot at William Penn. And it was funny, the first time I ever, uh, our first interaction together, we just got done with the JV game. And it was funny because Brett's practice number, like you just got a random jersey for practice. It wasn't like you're, most, some people try to get their numbers, but it didn't really matter. And Brett went before me in the practice jersey line and got 12. My number was 12. Brett was number four. And I got number 16 as my practice number. I got number 12 my junior year or sophomore year. I got William Penn for my practice number. It was still my game number as well. But after our first JV game, Brett comes up to me after the game, introduces me to Abby, and Abby's got a sweatshirt on that actually, (laughs) it says uh, Snyder on it, which is Brett's last name, and now Abby's last name as well, with the number 12 on it. And Brett told me about that the previous week, that this this was a thing that happened. So that was the first interaction I ever had with Abby. She had Brett's name and my number on her jersey, which is an easy mistake. I mean, Brett wore number 12 in practice. So it was an easy mistake to make, but yeah, it was a fun day. It was really fun. Long, a lot of driving. A lot of driving. In Tulsa, down to Washington's five and a half, a little less than five and a half, probably five fifteen from my apartment. And once you get to Southern Iowa, like if you've ever been to Southern Iowa, it's a lot of twists and turns. There's not a lot of straight routes in Southern Iowa. It's all left and five miles turn left and two miles turn right and six miles keep going straight and then wait till a right turn. I, It's always weird stuff like that. And you're going through all these small Iowa towns and then all of a sudden you cross the border of Iowa and Missouri and then you get hit with a notification that says in 140 something miles or 114, I can't remember what the exact number was, continue straight. <laughs> and you're like, you're basically there at that point. And then you got to take another loop around and then there's about, I think it's 60 miles and then you're pretty much there. But a lot of driving, really cool place, really cool place. The Blues mascot made an appearance during the wedding reception. Like, it was just a really cool, the fanciest wedding I'd ever been to. Easily. Easily. So congrats to Brett and Abby on getting married. Not su- not surprised it happened really at all. <laughs> and I give the, both of them credit while we were at William Penn. So William Penn's in Oski. Abby went to Kansas, which is not close to Oskaloosa. Oskaloosa is on the southeast side of the state. Kansas is in the southwest direction of Iowa, let alone Oski. I don't know how long of a drive it is from Oski to Lawrence, Kansas, but... They would make the trek every once in a while, and it was it was good. It was good stuff. Abby would make these, like, I don't know what you call them, the holiday cookies. Like, you see they're Pillsbury cookies. They're, like, the ones that just come, and they're already in the shape. They got a little, like, Christmas tree or a pumpkin or something on there, and you, she would have them in the microwave oven that we were not supposed to have. But Brett had one, and we utilized it quite a bit. And I remember one time our, our one of our kickers, his name was Pipes. He was uh, from England, and he's I think he's back over in England now. But uh, he was an RA of our building. And when you when you play football or you have a lot of people at the on, on campus that you know, especially those in, uh, quote, higher power, Pipes didn't do any. Like, Brett grabbed the, the, the toaster oven and tried to run into his room, and then Pipes just looked at him. Brett looked at him as he's running towards his room. And uh, <laughs> Pipes didn't do anything because Pipes didn't care. Because, again, you gotta have you got to have people in power. You gotta have some. Uh, you gotta have powerful friends. You gotta have powerful friends. What movie is that? We have powerful friends. You're gonna regret this. What movie is that from? 
Oh, it's Star Wars. Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, when Leia's getting introduced to Jabba. We have powerful friends, you're gonna regret this. It was kinda like that. You have, like, all the kickers were RAs. All the kickers were RAs. All of them, I think, apart from pipes, were in a frat, too. Which is kind of weird and funny that you have frats at William Penn, but it's, it's cool. It's cool, but, again, congrats to Brett and Abby. We've hung out with them a few times, or we've, me, I've hung out with them a few times. Post-William Penn, I've hung out with them. When I left William Penn, Brett was still there for a little bit. And, uh, yeah. Just congratulations to you guys. It was, yeah. Again, not <laughs> not surprised that it happened. It was a pretty, it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. Beautiful wedding. But, yeah. Good stuff. Good job, guys. <laughs> did it. But then, uh, on Sunday, we had the Bills-Vikings game. And Brett and Abby, this is how I've hung out with them, Brett's, Brett and Abby are Bills fans. They weren't always Bills fans, but they're Bills fans. And we've, we've seen them at the Bills-Chiefs game. I've seen them at the past two Bills-Chiefs games. They were at the one in um, the one the Bills won during the lightning delay. They were at that game. I didn't see them that game, though. We saw them in the playoff game, parts right behind us, and then saw them during um, the last one in uh, October when the Bills won there. Win the game in the regular season, lose the game in the playoffs. It's a, kind of a recipe for what the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs are doing. But on Sunday, we had the Bills and Vikings game. We had the Bills and Vikings game. And uh, my friend Jared, who we brought up on the show before, is a big, big, big-time Vikings fan. Big-time Vikings fan. Like, bleeds purple and gold. Not for Johnson as high school and not for UNI's university, but for the Minnesota frickin' Vikings. And I respect that. I respect that. He's been through with them through thick and thin. There's a really funny video of him watching Blair Walsh miss the field goal against the Seattle Seahawks. It's great. But a few weeks ago, let me take you back a few weeks. Or a few months, actually. It was the second week of the regular season in the NFL. And my dad and I, we were at the keg stand watching the Bills-Titans game. And we leave after Dane Jackson gets hurt. We're like, oh, God, Dane Jackson got a serious injury. I don't want to be around here for this. It's it, it was felt eerie. And we were going to go back to my apartment anyways because my dad didn't watch a game at my apartment. That's actually the last game he had watched in my apartment. But Jared, Andrew, and Steven, who are downstairs watching the Vikings-Eagles game, we're going to come upstairs. So we had the Vikings-Eagles game on the projector and the Bills-Titans game on the TV. So if you were to sit there as both games, because they were both Monday Night Football games that night. Vikings game started a little bit later. But if you were to sit there that night and say, yep, the team that's getting slacked by 20 or 30, I don't remember what the final score was, 20 at least 20 points, is going to beat the team that's beating the reigning number one seed in the AFC by 40 points. That's what we're going we're gonna to say that's happening. And I've this is coming to bite me in the ass more than, more than one occasion, and I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly okay with, uh, with looking like an absolute fool. On this podcast, I've kind of, uh, I've kind of just come around to that aspect that I'm not a very smart person. <laughs> so if I say something, take it with a pinch of salt because it's coming from a, a double-digit IQ. I don't know. I, I always that was one of my favorite Family Guy quotes. It's like, oh, you double-digit IQ over here. That's kind of how I feel with this. But I feel like I was single-digit IQ after that game because when you watch the Bills, Rams, and the Bills, Titans. As a Bills fan, and even as a neutral, I got a lot of messages after the Rams game, got a lot of messages after the Titans game. It's like, oh, God, the Bills are a wagon. The Bills are not going to lose a single game the rest of the season. Like, it's, oh, the Bills are this, the Bills are that, the Bills are everything. You go in, you go in your third week, you win by a combined score in your previous two games, 72-17 to 17 against the reigning Super Bowl champions 
and the reigning number one overall seed in the AFC. A team that has beaten you a few times in a row recently in the Tennessee Titans. You're going to a game against the Miami Dolphins, a team you have not lost to since Josh Allen's rookie year. Forgive me if I was confident going into that game. I know the Dolphins were coming off a very impressive win against the Baltimore Ravens. They had a 20-something point comeback or 28-point fourth quarter, came back to win the game. Very impressive comeback, but that still didn't really scare me. I just watched the Bills. Like, the Dolphins had one good quarter in that game, really. And then the Bills scored 72 points on the Rams and Titans. Two defenses that are extremely well coached normally. Not those games. And it turns out the Rams just aren't very good. The Titans are good, but they're on borderline unwatchable. I hate watching the Tennessee Titans. Just in general. I don't like them in, in general. Mike Brable's a tool. I, I have no real issue with Derrick Henry, Love Malik Willis, but everybody else can go screw themselves. Sorry. But that's about it with them. But that Dolphins game, I was sitting there as like I like I remember I think it was after the Titans game, and it couldn't have happened at a better time because it was the next game that it happened. I I think it was after that game where it was like, yeah, I don't see where they lose the rest of the year. Like you want it, you know a loss is gonna happen, but you can't just sit there, you're super confident, you're super cocky, you're feeling yourself, and then all of a sudden the carpet gets swept from under you. And you lose to the Dolphins. Again, a team you had not lost to since 2018. A team that you have dominated since 2018, barring that one loss. Like, this was bound to be the next, like, Brady versus the Buffalo Bills thing, where it was like one team's just going to utterly dominate this rivalry. And then they lose. And then you kind of have to bring yourself back. And then you have the Ravens game. You go on a couple nice wins there. Get wins against the Ravens, come back, win there. You kill the Steelers. You beat the Chiefs. And uh, you beat the Packers. That Packers game is where kind of my feelings about the season started to shift a little bit because they did not play well at all in the second half. Did not play well at all. Josh threw two horror shows of interceptions, and the Packers slowly chipped away at a lead. Like, the Bills were absolutely dominating the game. Dominating. They were 24-7 at halftime. And yes, 10 points is not a lot to score in the second half, but when you're not scoring... That can feel like a lot, and especially when everybody in your mo- and their mom is going out in this game like, oh, man. And this is the mindset. After those first two games, everybody's mindset about what the Buffalo, what the Buffalo Bills are completely flipped. Everybody knew they were going to be a solid team or a very good team. They were the reigning – they were the, the – not the reigning. They were the Super Bowl favorites going into the season. Josh Allen was the overwhelming MVP favorite. And you have a Packers team that is struggling. You have a Packers team that's playing very, very bad. Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust anybody on his roster – Defense is injured to hell and back. Like, it's just not going well for the Green Bay Packers. And you beat them by 10. Which, yeah, it's a double-digit win, but it wasn't convincing. It was like a weird double-digit win. Like, there was nothing about it where it's like, yeah, the Bills dominated early, but that second half they played like garbage. And then you have the game against the Tit- against the Jets. Or the Titans. They were the New York Titans at one point with the blue and yellow jerseys. You have the game against the Jets. One of the most frustrating games I've watched in my entire life. When you have a team that is very, very good, and we said this last week when during the after the game, you have a game against the New York Jets. I don't care how good the Jets' record is. If you're a team with the aspirations and the the what do you want to call it the the cockiness of the Buffalo Bills and their fans, you cannot lose to the New York freaking Jets. You can't. It's, it is inexcusable. It doesn't matter what happens in the game. You cannot lose the Jets. And then again, Josh Allen throws two 
horrendous interceptions. I don't know what he was looking at for either one. I know what he was trying to do with the first one. Just lobbed it to the corner, though. I think it was I – I said this last week. I think it was Whitehead. I can't remember. And then he just lobbed one to Sauce Gardner as well. You're like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Josh Allen's Josh Allen. I think he's still kind of the MVP favorite. It's a lot looser than what I had thought at the time, but it – I thought after that game, yeah, he's still probably the MVP favorite because there's not really been a lot of overwhelming other options. And then the Vikings game happened. And I tell you how my opinions changed about this game from when the Bills beat the Titans the same night as the Vikings lost the Eagles to now. Like, it was a complete 180. Like, even the Chiefs game. Before the the night before the Kansas City Chiefs game, me, Brady, and Jared went to Boulevard down in Kansas City, a really cool brewing company down there. I got a sweatshirt from there. Got some free beers, thanks to Jared. And that's where we made the bet for the Bills-Vikings game. And up until that point, up until that Saturday night before the Bills-Chiefs game, Jared's confidence was more of a, uh, let's just talk about, like he'd say, we want Buffalo all the time. I don't know how serious he was about it. I don't know how serious he was about it. Because there was like a, a joking tone with it. He'd laugh after he'd do it, after watching what the Bills did to the Steelers, to the Titans, to the Rams. Like there was some, I would, I'm sure there was some serious to it, seriousness to it, but I didn't believe it. Like I was sitting there like, oh man, yeah, I want the Vikings. And then we made the bet. Like I had been egging Jared and Andrew on and on and on to bet the Bills-Packers game and the Bills-Vikings game. I'd been on and on and on about that. And then finally, under the influence of alcohol, with Brady as our witness, we made the bet for $10 for the Bills-Vikings game. And I was so confident. And then after the Bills beat the Chiefs, I tell you my confidence, going into the bye week, my confidence tripled. I was already super happy. And then they just beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City again. Beat them last year in the regular season as well. Dominated them that. It was the Patrick Mahomes' biggest loss up until that time until they lost to, I think, the Titans like the next week. But I was super confident. We've talked about the Bills and Vikings and all the top teams in the NFL these past few weeks. And the Vikings have gone through and not beaten really. They beat, they're a good team. The Vikings are a very good team. I don't want to take anything away from the Vikings. This is even before the game on Sunday. I'll talk about the game on Sunday in a little bit. But you look at who the Vikings, what the Vikings did throughout these games, there was nothing, one ounce of it that was like, ooh, yeah, that's a don. Like, they had that great game against the Green Bay Packers. Absolutely amazing game against the Packers. And then you allowed the Lions, you were losing the Lions the entire time. You let the Bears come back into the game when Kirk Cousins started off 17 for 17. You barely beat the Saints with their backups. I don't even, yeah, I was going to say, Alvin Kamara didn't even play this game. They had, like, no starters in this game. Like, Alvin Kamara didn't play. Uh, Michael Thomas, I don't think, played. Like, they they were without all their stars. Jameis Winston was out. I guess Andy Dalton's technically the starter now. Then he played the Dolphins with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. Like, not Teddy Bridgewater out of the game. Skylar Thompson had to finish it, if I remember correctly. I think that's how it went down. I don't remember. That was when we were tailgating for the, the Bills-Chiefs game, so I don't really remember what happened to that one. And he beat the Cardinals, who are up and down this entire season. And then you beat the Commanders with Taylor Heineke and have to come back against Taylor Heineke. We'll talk about Heineke and the Commanders in a little bit. You're going to tell me that the Bills are an under are, should lose to that team. I know their record's great. I'm, I'm telling you what my mindset was prior to Sunday. 
Like, yes, my confidence level is a little bit down. The second half against the Packers was bad. They played a terrible ass game against the Jets. But the Vikings are a solid team with a good record, but have looked really shaky throughout the entire season. And the Bills have dominated teams and had some games against some really good teams. Like, what team is are they, the Dolphins? They beat the Dolphins without Tua. Like, other than that, what team? And they, they lost to the Eagles. You look at the rest of their schedule, every single team on that schedule for the Miami, the Minnesota Vikings, apart from the Dolphins, the Dolphins has a losing record. So why was I sitting there and going like, oh, I should be nervous for this guy? I was like, Josh Allen shouldn't play. Even if they lose, it's an NFC game. Like, my mindset was like, oh, Josh Allen doesn't play. That eases the loss. That I'm not really like, oh, I, I could have that built-in excuse of, oh, they didn't have Josh Allen play. And you always want to beat a team at their best, which is what Jared told me. He didn't want to beat the Bills without Josh Allen. My dad and I had the same mentality when the, the Bills would beat the Patriots. It didn't count if he didn't beat Tom Brady. Yes, he counted in the win column, but as a fan, you don't want to sit there and count it as much. But forgive me if I was confident going into this game. And the Bills had beaten the Ravens, the Chiefs, dominated the Steelers. Don't I know the Steelers don't have a winning record. Dominated the Rams. No, they don't have a winning record. Dominated the Titans, who do have a winning record. Like it's, it, I was sitting there, I was like, yeah, I'm nervous, but I honestly, th- there was part of me, I was like, they can win with Case Keenum. I'm nervous about Justin Jefferson. I'm nervous about Dalvin, Dal- uh, Dalvin Cook. Their secondary is not very good. Again, this is mindset before the game. This is mindset before the game. I hope this is coming off as that. And then the game starts, and then it's just easy. It's just absolutely easy. Like, the Bills punt on their first drive of the game. Not great start to the game in regards to the first drive. Vikings score in sixth place, and the Bills have back-to-back touchdown drives. Fairly easy touchdown drives. And then Kirk Cousins throws an interception. Then the Bills kick a field goal, Vikings score, and then the Bills are up 24-10 at halftime. And the Vikings went for it on fourth down right before the Bills score before halftime, and you're sitting there like, oh, yeah, this train's back rolling. The train's back on the tracks here, people. Like, Justin Jefferson did his thing on the first drive. We knew that was going to happen at some point. So I was like, yeah, it's Justin Jefferson. You're getting beat by one of the best. That's fine. And you got a rookie. And I'm not, this is not an excuse because I don't want to take anything away from the Vikings in this game. You have a rookie out there in Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. You're without a few other pieces in the secondary. Je- Justin Jefferson is going to get his on Sunday. Like, everybody knew that. If you thought Justin Jefferson was not going to get close to 200 yards receiving on Sunday, I'm sorry. Trey White didn't play. Maybe if Trey White plays, it's a little different, but you're not sitting there going, Oh, yeah, they're going to lock down Justin Jefferson. There's defenses that with fully-fledged starters aren't locking down Justin Jefferson. I can't name any. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I can't name any this year, but I'm joking. Again, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But the Bills are up 24 to 20 to 10. And then in the third quarter, they go down and kick a field goal. And are up 27-10. And you're sitting there like, oh, yeah. this is Kirk threw an interception on the first drive of the game. Or first drive of the second half. She's like, oh, okay. This is gonna, we're just gonna see this game out. And this is what I told Jared and Andrew last night. Because I don't know if a lot of you are familiar with this style of offense. Because this is I'm gonna paint you a picture real quick. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, the Houston Oilers, who are now the Tennessee Titans, ran a very famous style of offense known as the run and shoot offense. The run and shoot offense is predicated 95% or about on the pass game. 
They had Warren Moon. They had a lot of really solid wide receivers. They had Bruce Matthews on the offensive line. Like They had a solid, good offense that when it's rolling, it is damn near impossible to stop. They get up big on all their teams. And then let me fast forward you to the playoff game against the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park, New York at Rich Stadium. The Tennessee Titans, or the Houston Oilers, are up massive at halftime. The Bills are without Jim Kelly, future Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly. Frank Reich is playing the game, backup quarterback. The expectations for the Bills in that second half was next to nothing. I don't remember what the score was at halftime, but there was no expectations for the Bills to come back and win that game at all. No, ex- no expectations at all. You want to know what happened? When you run an offense that is so heavily predicated on the pass, you're not, they can't run the ball. They won't run the ball. I guess it's not that they can't. They won't run the ball. So let's just say, hypothetically, that offense starts faltering. You start throwing incomplete passes. You start going on shorter drives. What happens on an incomplete pass? The clock stops. When you're passing it that much, you're more prone to incomplete passes. That's just science. The more and more you throw a football, the lower your chances of getting a high completion percentage get. You can go one for one, and then you throw again. Your chance of going one for two to down from 100% to 50% is very... 50%. (laughs) So when you have the Buffalo Bills, who are at their peak, a dominant, dominant, dominant offense with a great defense, though injured, still a very good defense despite the injuries. They're a very good defense. But your problem is you won't run the football. This has been something I've been saying about this stupid team for the better part of two years, three years. And this is what this is the part that's kind of confusing to me. When you have a defensive head coach, like the Bills do and Sean McDermott, normally a defensive head coach would get a running game going. Because... What does defensive coach want? Defensive coach wants his defense rested. He's a defensive coach. Like, I know the the Patriots have never really had a legit number one option, but they've had options throughout their history under Belichick, who is a defensive guy. You look at the Steelers with Bill Cowher, with Mike Tomlin, Jerome Bettis, Le'Veon Bell, Najee Harris. I know he's not playing great right now, but Najee Harris still includes there. John Harbaugh has had solid running backs throughout his tenure in Baltimore. Like, you have to some have some sort of a second option. Like, Devin Singletary is a fine running back. He's fine. But he's not going to do anything particularly special in regards to eating up chunk plays. I think James Cook could be that for the Buffalo Bills. But they're babying him into this spot, in this starting spot. Or not even starting spot, just babying him onto the field. Like, you look at all the trades that took place on the trade deadline day this past season, this past, a couple weeks ago. Who got, what running backs got traded? Christian McCaffrey, Jeff Wilson, just to name two, just to name a couple right there. Those two are the main guys here. And then Naheem Hines. Christian McCaffrey was put in and started. I know he's a different level than these guys, but Christian McCaffrey was put in and started when he got to the team on Friday. He started Sunday, and then the next week, 
He threw a passing touchdown, he ran a touchdown, and he caught a touchdown. He had the triple crown for touchdowns in a game, and he just got traded to the team. Jeff Wilson played the first game when he got traded to the Miami Dolphins post-trade deadline day. Scored a touchdown against the Chicago Bears. Has played very well for the Miami Dolphins. What do you? What has Naheem Hines done for the Bills? Other than warm the bench and catch punts, nothing. The dude barely played. They activated Duke Johnson to the active roster for the first time this season. You just traded for Naheem Hines. Why the hell did you trade for him if you're going to activate a guy that does the exact same thing as the guy you traded for? Where is the logic in that? Like, I loved, the, I loved getting Naheem Hines. I loved getting Naheem Hines. I thought he'd be perfect for the style of offense they run, but for the love of God, use him. He doesn't play. He returns punt. He played one play against the New York Jets, and it was a pass play that Josh Allen overthrew. One. I think he played six on Sunday. Devin Singletary had two touchdowns in the first half. He had maybe one carry the second half. Post-fumble. Like, if you take away Josh Allen and his running ability, this is one of the worst rushing attacks in the NFL over the better part of five years. Since Shady McCoy left, the Bills had no semblance of a running game whatsoever apart from their starting quarterback. And when you're up 27-10, to 10, stop throwing the damn ball. I get that's what you're great at. Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But good Lord, see the game out. See the game out. Get somebody to run the ball that we actually can trust. Because they don't have trust in any of these running backs. Clearly. They traded for Naheem Hines. They activated Duke Johnson. Devin Singletary fumbles one time, carries the ball one time in the second half. James Cook, five carries. Second round draft pick. Isaiah McKenzie even got a carry in this game. You want to win big, you have to have a second option. Apart from Stephon Diggs, what is the Bills' second option on anything, let alone run or pass game? On anything, what is their second option? Gabe Davis is good 50% of the time. He hits a deep pass at some point throughout a game, and then that's pretty much it. Like, he didn't even catch the ball on the sideline. Thank God Josh Allen sprinted up to the line of scrimmage and snapped the ball. And thank God the Vikings didn't have any timeouts either. Good God. I know they're saying that they should have challenged it, or the, the boost should have called for it. Good job on the Bills for at least getting up to the line. But he drops it. Like, you, that's the stuff he'd catch, and then he drops something that hits him right in the chest. If it was a bullet, he's dead kind of catch. And he'd drop it. Dawson Knox is unreliable hands. Dawson Knox is fine. I don't really have any issue with him. He's athletic as hell, but that's about it. Isaiah McKenzie's not a reliable third option either. His hands are questionable. Apart from Diggs, who else do they have on that offense? Like, people want to talk about Josh Allen's elite weapons. I want you to name one outside of Stephon Diggs. They have no semblance of a running game whatsoever. I've bitched about that for a better part of two years now. I tried. I wanted them to draft Brees Hall last year. I wanted them to draft Travis Etienne in 2021. Turns out both of them are pretty good guys. Both of them are really good in the pass game. Both are very good running backs. And the Bills off to line. Yes, I know the Bills off to line in the run game has not been perfect, but this is the best Bills off to line they've had under Sean McDermott, which is saying something. This O-line's nothing that special, but you know what? It's damn better than what they've had. 
Still got some glaring holes in it. But the Bills right now are the 1990s Houston Oilers, essentially. You have a great passing offense. Great passing offense. You have no running ability. So when you get up big, this happens. And you lose games that you should have put away early. You want to know what the Bills' numbers are in the second half these past three games? How many touchdowns they've scored? How many points they've scored in the second half these past three games? They have scored three against the Packers, three against the Jets, and six against the Vikings. Four field goals, 12 points. That's it. The Vikings in this game scored 23 points in the second half. Because the Bills can't shut off their own offense. I love the Bills. I love Josh Allen. But good God. And one other thing. Josh, I don't know what the hell is going on. What the hell are these throws in regards to these interceptions? The first one, don't don't know. I mean, if, if I remember right, it was fourth down, so maybe he's just trying to get the ball in the end zone somehow and let somebody make a play. But you got to kind of get it past the goal line to try and get let someone have a play. Don't throw it right to Patrick Peterson's chest. Even he was surprised he had the ball. He juggled it for a little bit. And then he had Gabe Davis to a certain extent on the last play of the game, and he threw a pick there. And I told everybody before overtime. I don't know how loud I said it, but I definitely said it to myself. There's an interception coming. I'm not confident here. Josh Allen, at his best, is one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the entire NFL. At his worst, he does that. And it's Josh Allen trying to play hero ball because there's no other options on this roster. Hero ball in the NFL, let alone any other level of football, rarely works. And the sad thing is, the Bills are 6-3. and three, And I'm bitching like they're 1-8. Like, I, they could be so much worse than right now. They were worse at this point last year. There was a stretch where they won two games out of six. Losing the freaking Jaguars. Like, at least this year you've lost the three teams with winning records. At least we could confidently say that. But every single one of those games had moments where they could put it away. Josh Allen missed his Isaiah McKenzie in the, the Miami Dolphins game. Missed him. Missed him wide-ass open, double-clutched it, threw it at his feet. Josh Allen threw an interception in the red zone against the New York Jets in the first drive of the game and then proceeded to throw another one, which set the Jets up in their red zone. And then he threw an interception in the red zone against the Vikings. And then he threw the interception in overtime, which was a throw that was behind Gabe Davis, which Patrick Peterson, after watching what he said on his podcast today, read like a freaking book. And then we're not even, we're not even mentioning the fumble. For whatever reason, that escaped my mind. Was any Bills fan confident in that play? Josh Allen was leaning over before he even got the snap. And the Bills run this thing where Gabe Davis motions across and pushes him forward, which I normally like, but not when he's already leaning forward. So then once he snapped the ball, didn't hold on to the ball, Gabe Davis pushes him away from the ball. And then we've got a situation where the Vikings recover in the end zone, and we have a tie game or a three-point game. Thank God the Vikings... I, I don't even know, thank God, because that would save me the pressure in overtime. Great Joseph missed the extra point. And maybe the Bills win. Maybe they go for a touchdown after the interception on Andrew Booth to Gabe Davis down the right side... The near side... The far... Jeez. The far sideline. They got him down to, like, the five-yard line. Maybe they go for it there. 
Maybe the whole game's different if Greg Joseph makes the extra point. Which is weird to say, because the Vikings would have had more points, but that would have given... I'm sure the Bills would have... Well, they obviously wouldn't have kicked a field goal if they were down by four points, would they? So, maybe that changes things. But... Do I think the Bills are done? No, not at all. I don't want to say... This is why I didn't record a show Monday. It's exactly why I didn't record a show on Monday. I sat there. We were at Alec and Liberty's place with pretty much the same group of people that were at my place on Friday. Minus we... (laughs) Preston got replaced with Andrew's girlfriend, Greta. So other than that, it was the same group of people. I was so mad after that game that I couldn't like emotionally couldn't muster anything that was good. I would have just been bitching up an absolute storm. I would have rained at hell. Hell hath no fury on what I was going to say on Sunday if I recorded a show for Monday. I would have been in I'm I'm not happy now because I'm reliving it again. But at least I've had a couple days to like reflect on what happened. I've not watched the game back. I haven't watched the game back once. But I've talked with Jared. I was with Jared last night on Monday Night Football. So I talked to him about the game. I went over to my parents' house Sunday night after the Bills game. Talked to my dad about it. I hung out with Al- with everybody at Alex and Liberty's place for a while. We watched the Packers-Cowboys game. Threw the football around, which also exerted a lot of energy, which was really good. A lot of negative energy, I'm saying. But, man. Like, fair play to the Vikings. Fair, <laughs> Absolutely fair play to the Vikings. I don't want to take anything away from this game, from them. I think the Bills, like, their opportunities the Bills had in this game, the Bills had more opportunities to win the Vikings, but the Vikings took advantage of those opportunities more than the Bills did. I don't think that's crazy to say. Like, Josh Allen threw an interception while the Bills were in the red zone. Devin Singletary fumbled in while the Bills were going into the red zone. Like, the Bills, this is like the games, the previous two losses, they gave the games away. And this is a narrative that's building on this Buffalo Bills team that is uber-talented, but... Doesn't have an off switch when they need to have an off switch, if that makes any sense. You have a winnable game against a good team, a very big resume builder, and at home, not to mention at home, like your two previous big wins against teams with winning records were the Ravens and Chiefs. You both won the, you won both those games on the road. But man, frustrating as hell. Frustrating as all hell. And I'm trying to like this is again. This is why I didn't record anything on Monday because I was sitting there so frustrated that I couldn't really muster anything to come. I I, I didn't even try to record. I didn't try. I got back to my apartment after we left Alec Liberty's place, and I went back to my parents' house. I, I was ha- I was home for about five minutes, and then I went to my parents' house. Called my dad. Said, "Is it all right if I come over?" My sister was back in town, so we went back. I went there, watched. I think they were watching Yellowstone. Home, my sister and her dog had our dogs, and it was just a calm way to spend a Sunday evening of a day that was just uber frustrating. Like, it, it was just so frustrating. When you have a game that's there, you're up by 17 points. 17. And not just 17 points. You're up 17 points late in the third quarter. It's not like they were up 17 early in the Vikings. The Vikings just had an insane comeback. And it pisses me off. Absolutely, you're up 17 points. You can't see the game away. At home. 
The Vikings called timeout in the first play of offense the entire game. They called timeout. The crowd was into it. How can you not see this game out? Like, I think the Bills will have a good few weeks to rectify this because they're, they're playing some very winnable games. They're playing the Browns, Lions, and Patriots. And they have the Jets and Dolphins at home with the Bears, Bengals, and Patriots. That's their schedule the random season. It, like, the Dolphins, I still think the Bills will beat them. I still think the Bills will beat the Jets. I think the Bills will beat the Patriots. I think the Bills win all those games. The Bengals one kind of scares me because I don't know which Bengals team's going to show up, which I guess I could say I don't know which Bills team's going to show up. The one that routed the Tennessee Titans or the one that showed up against the Jets, Dolphins, Vikings. Like, Josh Allen had some monster runs in overtime. Got round up to 80-something yards rushing, almost 90 yards rushing. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's frustrating. And I, I said I was so frustrated on Sunday. I was like, yep, you pissed the, you pissed the MVP down your leg. Um, I don't think that as vividly as what I did on Sunday. So I'm not going to sit here and say Josh Allen is completely ruled out of the 2022 MVP race. I don't think that's the case. I do think, though, that he went from being the overwhelming favorite to now pissing it away. Like, there's not even, like, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes have played great this year. Tua has played really well. But, like, they're not real. there's no one really running away with it at this point. So that's why I still have that feeling that Josh is going to win the MVP, or can win the MVP. I guess I shouldn't say he is or will, but he can win the MVP still. But you cannot, you cannot have four and a half ass quarters like Josh Allen has had. Or not, I shouldn't say that. Because he played, he has played well. Because the thing that's, the thing that sucks the most is that, yeah, Josh Allen threw some really bad interceptions. Had some very costly turnovers at very bad times. But Josh Allen's the only reason the Bills are in these games. Really. Like, this was posed on Twitter. After watching that game Sunday, do the Bills win with Case Keenum? Do I have that same feeling that I think the Bills can win with Case Keenum they did on Friday versus what I felt on Sunday? After the Bills get before the Bills game and after. Could Case Keenum have won that game? Feeling before was like, yeah, I think he can win that game. After, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Because Case Keenum's not breaking off 30-yard runs. Case Keenum's not throwing the ball to Gabe Davis right before halftime on that touchdown. Like, Josh Allen's the reason the Bills are what they are, as good as they are. But in these past two games, he's the reason they've lost the game as well, which is an incredible burden to bear, and he's willing to bear it, but I don't want him to bear it. They need other options. They need to bring Odell Beckham in. I said that last week. There's no other options receiving. Odell Beckham went from a a nice addition to a must-have in the span of two weeks. And he's cleared to play, apparently. So just got to get that deal over the line. But who knows if they actually play him because after all the trades the Bills have made since trade, line, trade deadline day, none of them have played. Dean Marlowe, I don't know where the hell he was. I haven't seen him. Naheem Hines barely plays. He's a punt returner. That's pretty much it. They need they need a running back. Bad. Devin Singletary's a, a free agent next year. I don't know if they're going to stick it out with James Cook or bring in someone like Kareem Hunt or somebody this offseason to free agent, who is the guy we wanted if the Bills were going to trade for a running back. 
He might have made sense because Devin Singletary started playing better. But they need to bring in somebody. I don't think they're bringing back Devin Singletary. I think if the Bills need want to get to that next level, they need to have another option. They need to run the ball. Like the Bengals, the Bengals have the best what probably group of weapons in the entire NFL. Like in regards to, I guess not like, yeah, no, I would say that, especially with well-rounded. Like their ability to run the ball and pass the ball is second to none. You look at some of the top offenses in the league that can pass the ball, like elite passing offenses, not a lot of them have a Joe Mixon back there running the ball. Like having that option is why the Bengals got to the Super Bowl. One of the big reasons why they got to the Super Bowl. Yes, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow balling out, but having that option to see out games with Joe Mixon is big. Who can catch the ball out of the backfield? That's what Brees Hall would have been. That's what I think Travis Etienne would have been. Now, obviously, they didn't have a pick to get Travis chance to get Travis Etienne because the Jaguars took him. But Brees Hall, that one, I feel like that that was the guy. And now he's on a division rival. And Travis Etienne starting for the Jets. And Travis Etienne, last time I checked, is near the top five in rushing yards right now. Okay, he's top ten. He's he's ranked ninth. But damn, Justin Fields, nice, ranked sixth. Dude's going to have a 1,000-yard season this year if he stays healthy. Knock on wood. I love Justin Fields. But, yeah, that's uh, my thoughts after the game. Again, credit to the Vikings on winning the game. Um, There's nothing worse when blowing a 17-point lead than seeing Kirk Cousins wear a shit ton of chains on a plane afterwards. It kind of hurts your, uh, your ego a little bit. But, yeah, I remember going from, I don't, I don't know if they could lose a game, to... Lost to the Jets, Dolphins, and Vikings. Out of the game, if I if at this point, if I thought they were gonna win three lose three games, the the three teams they lost to were not even on my freaking radar on teams they were actually gonna lose to when the season started. I thought they'd all be easy games. No offense, but I thought they'd be easy games. Like you look at what the like if I if the Bills had three losses, I thought it would be to like the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Ravens, because those were all on the road. And the Rams are Super Bowl champions. And the Bills lost to the Chiefs in the playoffs last year. And the Ravens have a very tough home field. They came back against the Ravens, came back against the Chiefs, blew out the Rams. And that was weird. Like, the early portion of the season, the Bills were terrible in the first half and then blow up in the second half. And now they're terrible in the – they're good in the first half and suck in the second half. I don't know what happened post-bye week, but they need to get something figured out. The player personnel situation is not great. I don't like the rotation system that they got, especially at running back. Get a guy in there, let him get some carries, let him figure it out, and then we move forward. Because I'm nervous. I, like, the Bills' Super Bowl chances are on the shoulders of Josh Allen. I'm well aware of that. But if he doesn't have a guy that can run the ball, like the Bills right now, Josh Allen has 476 yards. He almost has 100 more rushing yards than Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary has 394 rushing yards. Josh Allen has... Four touchdowns, which leads the Bills in rushing. He has seven, seven. He averages seven yards per attempt. Devin Singletary averages four point three. Like I think Devin Singletary is a, a, for all accounts, a good guy, cool person to have around the locker room. He's not. Um, he shouldn't be the starting running back for a team with the aspirations like the Buffalo Bills apparently have. Like. Like, uh, let's just go back, though. Let's just go back to the last year, see what we were looking at. So the Bills, towards the latter stage of the season, they're at one point the Bills were 7-6, and six, then rattled off four straight wins against some powerhouses in the 
Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, and Jets. But they <laughs> they had some close games. It was a similar situation to what we have right now. Lost the Jags by three. Lost the Patriots by four in that dumbass 200-yard rushing game. And then lost the, ja- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime on um, some BS non-calls. But that's the only time I've ever really... I think that's the only time I can actually sit there and say, yeah, I bitched about the refs in that game. I don't usually bitch about the refs. I usually bitch at people for bitching at the refs because, like, people that act like their team is screwed, the, the, the NFL really does not care. If they do, then that's on me. But, like, I've said it to Iowa State fans all the time. The Big 12 does not give a rat's ass if you're bad or good. They really don't care. <laughs> it's not. They're The refs are just bad. There's bad refs. They, there's no vendetta, uh, again, especially with some of the teams that are apparently, like, I don't know. Like people say, Tom, if if Tom Brady got hit, he would have gotten that call. And Tom Brady's only had, I think, twenty rough in the passer calls in his twenty-something year career. Like it, you create your own narratives in your head, and it kind of just sticks. Like it's not the ref's fault you lost; it just happens. Shit happens. Move on. Like people were complaining about the non the non pass interference call against the Bills last week against the Jets. Who the hell cares? It happened. So you could also say Gabe Davis pushed off. So like, you, move on. Like, that's what I was kind of worried about in this game. Like, oh, the Bills won. Well, that Gabe Davis play is going to be reviewed a thousand times. Everybody's going to say, oh, the Bills win didn't count because Gabe Davis didn't catch the ball. Sorry, it happened. I can't control that. Josh Allen ran the troops up to the line. Got the snap off. Shit happens. I've seen worse plays not get reviewed before. <laughs> so it happens. So I was kind of, I asked my dad about that. I was like, would you rather have the Bills lose or have the Bills win like that? <laughs> and he'd say, I'd take the dub. He's like, yeah, that was a pretty stupid question. Of course you take the dub. Oh my God. I had a lot of pent up aggression. I'm getting sick and, I'm really getting sick and tired of losing the game of the season though. I'm really sick and tired of losing the game of the season. Like you have the, the Bills Chiefs last year in the playoffs and you have the Bills Vikings this year. Both games probably considered the games of the year. Bills lost both of them. I'm getting sick and tired of that. The Chiefs one sucked, but the Vikings one was... The Chiefs one sucked because it was the last game of the year. The Vikings one sucked because they blew a 17-point lead going into the latter stages of the third quarter. And I lost 10 bucks. And I lost 10 bucks. So that makes it even a thousand times worse. I lost my... I had monetary value on this game. And I never bet games. So the fact that I was willing to bet on this game was insane. I, I do, the you know, the Tom McAllister-sponsored picks of the week. But I don't go out of my way to bet on my teams. I never bet on my teams. I bet with Brady all the time, or I used to. I think I lost, like, I mean, it wasn't a lot of money back then. We weren't betting, like, triple digits. No one really goes above $10 normally. I think I probably lost about $25, $30 to Brady over the years. Like, I remember watching Iowa-Iowa State. Jared Utah going off in the first half, scoring two points in the second half, and Iowa State comes back from, like, 30 down to win. Lost three bucks on that game. I, I I don't remember what other games I bet on. I usually try to stay away from that, at least money-wise. I, I lost a bet at William Penn with Kevin. Blackhawks versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Blackhawks win. You have to wear a Blackhawks shirt and post on Instagram. Knights win. You have to wear a Knights shirt and post on Instagram. It's like my second ever picture on Instagram is me wearing a stupid Knights shirt because I had to wear it because the Knights beat the Blackhawks. And I'm pretty sure the Knights swept the Blackhawks that season to make it even better. Good thing we didn't make the bet throughout the rest of the year. Good God. Ugh. I blame Jared Miranda for this because they wore Bill, they wore Bill's jerseys on Halloween. 
I think they did something. I think they hexed the Bills or something. Uh, then Drew in our fantasy football chat when the Bills were beating the pa- the Packers at halftime, he said, this Josh Allen dude's pretty good. I think he's going to have a future in this league and that Josh Allen's proceeded to throw six interceptions the last three games. So I think Drew has a, another um, has some blood on his hands as well because they're not good interceptions either. It's not even like the defense is working for them. They're just bad, 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 bad throws. Man, do I – I guess long story short, very long story short – have I lost faith in the Bills as a team? No. Have I lost faith in Josh Allen as a as a quarterback? No. Do I think, grand scheme of things, Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL still? Yeah. Do I think he'll win the MVP? I don't know. Like, it's just a... It's just frustrating to lose like that. It's one of those things where you're like, just because you're mad does not mean you lost love for him. It's one of those situations. But I feel like I lost, like, five pounds of sweat. My dad did. My dad went from 195 to 191 on Monday. Like, he actually... My dad sweats grossly. My dad and sister are disgusting human beings. So, yeah. <laughs> my sister loved me say that one. But, uh, yeah. That's pretty much my synopsis, my hour-long synopsis of the Bills-Vikings game. Which, again, I didn't really talk about the Vikings, but I just credit to the Vikings. I can't really say any much. Dalvin Cook's awesome. Just Jefferson's amazing. We had a dick measuring contest between Diggs and Jefferson. I think Diggs' catch was more impressive because the Cam Lewis tried to catch the ball and basically caught it for Jefferson, but I still think Jefferson's catch is insane, especially given the situation. Fourth and 18, yeah, it was a great catch. And I, I've seen a lot of people say, like, why didn't you punch the ball to hell or punch it to the sky or something? But it's kind of hard. You're, yeah, yeah, he should have, definitely should have, especially with it being fourth and 18, but your natural instinct's to catch the ball. I, it would have been an amazing play to punch the ball and see him do that, but your natural instincts to catch the ball. And Cam Lewis looked like he was struggling after the game in regards to emotions, which is understandable. But, yeah, I, I'm not really going to hold a lot on that. I just think the Bills – I I don't know. I think the Bills can bounce back this week. I think they can bounce back against the Browns, hopefully anyways, hopefully, because the Browns are not a good football team, which is pretty, which is weird to say because that's, like, one of my only predictions of a team being bad that I've gotten right this year. Like, the Browns are 3-6 and six and just suck. Jeff Wilson, you know, the guy that traded, got traded to the Dolphins the same day as uh, Naheem Hines got traded to the Bills, had 119 yards rushing and a touchdown. That's pretty cool. Bills can't use Naheem Hines, though. Don't know what the deal is with that, but they can't use him for whatever reason in the offense. But Jeff Wilson's got, you know, 119 yards rushing against the Browns. That's pretty cool. Tua had three touchdowns in the game. Yeah, good game for the Dolphins. Bucks beat the Seahawks in Germany 21-16. Lions came back against the Bears. 31 to 30, and this is again a prime example of why wins aren't quarterback stat. The Bears, if you going off Justin Fields' performances, the Bears should have won their last three games. Really? Like Justin Fields' performances were good enough to win those games, and yet they still lost. So those are Justin Fields' wins and losses. That's exact that's a prime example of why wins aren't quarterback stat right there. Dude, 147 yards last week against the Lions, had like 170 something against the Dolphins, and they lost. But that's his fault for whatever reason. So that's, that's again, quarterback. Winston, not quarterback stat. Uh, Titans beat the Broncos again. Unwatchable. Two unwatchable teams. 17-10. Chiefs beat the Jaguars 27-17. Jaguars tried to make it a game. Isaiah Pacheco had a nice game. Kadarius Toney had his first touchdown as a Chief. Had a nice game. And, yeah, Andre Sisco took out, I think, two Chiefs players and then got an interception. So it was kind of weird to see that one. But Mahomes had four touchdowns of the game. Looked good. Uh, Giants beat the Texans 24-16. I'm pretty sure I saw some of the Giants have all their wins are by a single score or something like that. It's weird. 
Very weird, but, you know, that's that's them. Then we had the Steelers beating the Saints. Didn't even know that game was on. Kind of forgot about that one. The Colts and Jeff Saturday's first game beat the Raiders 25-20. John, uh, Der- Mark, jeez, Matt Ryan had a 39-yard run in that game and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor looked like Jonathan Taylor at 147 yards and a touchdown. Matt Ryan threw a passing touchdown in the game as well. Paris Campbell at 76 yards. And the Raiders stink. Raiders are bad. I didn't think they'd be very good. I had them going 9-8 and eight at the beginning of the year, or 8-9, somewhere around there. I didn't think they'd be this bad. I said before the season I expect Derek Carr to have a great year, and Derek Carr is sucking ass. I have not heard anything. I know his O-line's not very good, but come on. <laughs> Dude, this dude's a Hall of Famer. Really? Really? Like, Devontae Adams is taking up 99% of what they're doing, and that same thing goes to the Bills, but even the Raiders have more weapons than the Bills do. Or did. I guess Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller just got put on IR, but they have a better running game. Josh Jacobs is way better than Devin Singletary. Yeah, there's a lot of things going for Derek Carr that Josh Allen don't have, but uh, defense also stinks for the Raiders, but, man, Derek Carr is not anywhere near a Hall of Famer. Good God. <laughs> uh, the Packers upset the the Cowboys on Sunday as well. Christian Watson had three touchdowns. And, yeah, the Packers winning ways start now, I guess, 31-28. And then we had the battle of the backups with the Rams and the Cardinals. We had John Walford and Bryce Perkins from Virginia taking on Colt McCoy and the Cardinals. Yeah, and Cooper Cup got put on IR. Sucks. He has a high ankle sprain, got put on IR. Rams stink. I didn't think they'd be this bad. God damn. I did not think they'd be this bad. And then we had the Chargers and the 49ers. 49ers win 22-16. And Elijah Mitchell had an amazing quote. Elijah Mitchell said, I think we could be the best running back tandem in the league. Yeah, that's like saying Deion Sanders and whoever the hell was across from him was the best cornerback tandem in the league. Yeah, you got one of the best running backs in the NFL. If you're semi-above average, yeah, you're going to be a very good running back tandem. You just need to not suck ass, and you'll be fine. That's like Deion Sanders was the best corner of his, the best corner of all time. Anybody across from him would have good numbers because they're not throwing to him. I know it's a different position, but it's really. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I know Elijah Mitchell's a solid running back, but... Yeah, you've got Christian McCaffrey, who's one of the best. So then you're already on the upper hand of a lot of teams. So then you look at who's got another good number two option. There's about three teams that have a good starter and a solid number two option. So, yeah, I think you'll be fine in that regard. You didn't really need to say that, though. It was kind of stayed in the obvious. And then we got the Commanders upsetting the Eagles, 32-21. Yeah, Taylor Heineke got a rough in the pa- or a personal foul call, which I thought was kind of funny. People were talking about that on Twitter all the- a lot, and there were some guys that were, like, tweeting it that was like, it's kind of – it's not what what are we what is the problem here? They're like, so can he kneel it whatever he wants? Yeah. Any anybody could do that. Have you ever watched Tyler Lockett this year? Tyler Lockett's diving to the ground before anybody even thinks about touching it. You can take a knee at any point in the game. You give yourself up, you can't get hit. It doesn't matter if he's kneeling or not. You gave himself up. You can't get hit. So yeah, it's a penalty. I don't know why people had problems with that. Like, it's pretty self explanatory. Doesn't matter how hard he got hit. He got hit. While he gave himself up, pretty much while he was on the way back up, he got hit. So, yeah, it's a penalty. Whoever had an issue with that, I, that's it's a simple rule. It's not even that hard to decipher. Like, it's it's pretty self-explanatory. Don't hit a guy that's that gave himself up or is not trying to advance the ball. Like, if you're diving or taking a knee, then, yeah, don't hit them. That's Stephon Diggs does the exact same thing every single time he cuts the football. I don't know why people needed to try to figure out what was going. What? Why is that a penalty? Pretty simple, Einstein. Let's let's use our big brain here and figure it out. Let's put on our big boy shoes. Let's use our brain, and we can see why it's a penalty. But uh, Jalen Hurts threw an interception. Very unfortunate interception. 
And yeah, Dallas Goddard. The Eagles got kind of it's kind of a rough game for the Eagles. Dallas Goddard got a clear face mask, fumble the ball. He's gonna be out for a few weeks. Jalen Hurts threw a pretty unfortunate interception. Just went through right through the hands of AJ Brown essentially. He had the ball and then the defender just ripped it out of his hands. And then uh he had a deep ball down the field to who was it to? Quez Watkins. Pretty, uh, pretty nice ball. Not an amazing ball like Troy Aikman's like it was a great route, even better ball. It's like it was an okay ball. He led him and the guy tripped and he got up, tried to fight go for a few more yards, and got the ball stripped because he didn't see the defender. So unfortunate way to lose the game. But uh, now the Eagles are 8-1. There's no longer an undefeated team, so the 72 Dolphins can s- slobber up all their cigars and get ready because they're going to go another season with being the only team to ever finish undefeated in the season. Now the Patriots, obviously, in 2007, had the you know the 16-0, 18-0 in the playoffs, lost to the Giants' Super Bowl. But yeah, the Dolphins are the only team to finish an entire season undefeated. It don't mean a thing without the ring, to quote the 98 Bulls. <laughs> it don't mean a thing without the ring. Or 95-96 Bulls, sorry. But yeah, I didn't watch a lot of college football this week. I was, you know, I was at a wedding, so I didn't see a lot of college football. The wedding started at one, at 1.30. I was driving the entire morning, so I got up at 5, which I really didn't need to. I could have just got up at 6, and been five, 6 or 6.30 and been fine. I kind of just got nervous about making it down there in time, so I got up super early, and I left around 7, got there down there sometime around noon, and uh, yeah, didn't see really a lick of college football this weekend. I know Iowa won, which is really cool. I don't remember, we, we said Wisconsin, we were leaning towards Wisconsin in that game, if I remember correctly, but yeah, Iowa's offense still stinks for uh, Cooper DeGene, great game for him, great game for him. I saw a tweet, and this was really funny. This sums up <laughs> Iowa's offense. Where is that? Uh, Iowa gained 146 yards to total offense against Wisconsin. Nebraska gained 146 total yards in the same day. Iowa won by 14. Nebraska lost by 31. Like, it's... <laughs> uh, congrats on the win, but let's not keep... Let's stop acting like this is a legit offense because it still stinks. <laughs> Cooper DeGene just was everywhere. From all I could tell... It was everywhere. So, good job on him. And good job on Iowa for playing Wisconsin this week and not Michigan. So, you could have, would have been a little bit different if you ran 146 yards against Michigan because that's what Nebraska did. Now, Ohio State dominated. See, I tried five touchdowns in the game. Marvin Harrison Jr. won the catch of the year in the game against Indiana. Probably the catch of the year. He's going to easily be the first wide receiver off the board when the draft comes around in 2024. So good on him. We had I, uh, Michigan beating up on Nebraska, like we already said, uh, winning by 31 points, 34-3. to Georgia beat Mississippi State, 45-19. to Then we had TCU beat Texas. Georgia come back in a big way against Tennessee, or Tennessee come back in a big way against Missouri, expected. We said that would happen. Tennessee was going to murder whoever the hell they was set in front of them after that Georgia game, and it just happened to be Missouri, and that's what happened. Oregon lost to Washington, tough game. Uh, I saw the Bo Nix throw at the end of the game. Not great. Not a great throw. Don't know what he was doing, but good games all around from him in Penix. Yeah, we had LSU beating Arkansas with their backup quarterbacks, 13-10. Alabama had a close one against Ole Miss, which we predicted. Then we had Clemson beating Louisville. We just picked Louisville to spite. Clemson won. Arizona beat UCLA, which is pretty surprising. Utah handled Stanford with ease. Stanford scored early, and that was pretty much it. Uh, Penn State beat Maryland 30-0. North Carolina squeaked away against Wake Forest 34-36. Boston College beat NC State. 
UCF beat Tulane. Kansas State beat Baylor. Notre Dame beat Navy. Purdue beat Illinois. Florida State routed Syracuse. And Kentucky lost to freaking Vanderbilt. So, uh, yeah, that's what we had this week in college football. Again, since we didn't really watch a lot of college football this weekend, we're not going to have the quarterback prospect rankings for you today. We spent all week driving, so it didn't really have time to – and then I was out of – I didn't want to do anything in my apartment on Sunday, so we weren't in my apartment pretty much at all the entire weekend. Like, obviously we were there for a little bit, but pretty much the entire weekend just out of the apartment. And then Monday, had meetings. Today, had some more meetings. Had two meetings today. Had a meeting, kind of a meet. Well, what was it? Yeah, kind of a meeting yesterday. Like, it was just a, it's been a, I don't know. It's been a long few days, okay? And obviously Friday was my birthday, and we can't do anything with the prospect rankings before Saturday happens. So we're going to have it come out on Friday. Complete, I'm sorry about uh, no prospect rankings last week. Situations popped up again, just got really busy post-Wednesday. We talked about them on Wednesday, so that is there on the podcast for you to want to go back and look at those. There's no blog post, though. We will have the rankings from last week, though the post wasn't made for Friday's podcast. But, uh, yeah, that's all I pretty much got for you. I don't really think I had that much us to talk about. I just needed a event session after the Bills lost to the Vikings. But, yeah, fun stuff. Absolutely fun. So I had a really bad week in fantasy as well to cap it off. I lost to Andrew this week in fantasy. For those of you who are unaware, Andrew's team was 1-8 previously. And, uh, yeah, beat me pretty good. Beat me pretty, pretty, pretty good. Beat me by uh, 132 to 93. So that's a that's a fun way to lose. Now, I would have won almost – I think I would have won every other game apart from that game. I think there was one other person that scored – more than me, and then I was it. Yeah, it's the matchup you get drawn with. Just the just the the luck of the draw. Luck of the draw. Geno Smith threw a couple of garbage time touchdowns, but Justin Fields scoring forty points, and then you have Justin Jefferson score twenty five. You have Christian Kirk score twenty two. You have James Conner scoring twenty. First time he scored points all year, and it's kind of a recipe for failure. Don't though. Aaron Jones played well, though. Diggs had a hundred something yards. Like I could even really done anything on the bench. Like Jamal Williams. Had 11 points. Was I really going to start him over Austin Eckler? Wasn't planning on it. So, uh, yeah. Bounce back in fantasy hockey, though the Kucherov trade did not go through. Uh, lost to my William Penn League as well. 83-70. to 70. First loss in for freaking ever. I'm 8-2 in that league, so that one's a little bit, a little bit better. And then I'm 7-3 in my Johnston League. Don't care about the league. That's probably the le- my league I care about the least. And then... I was on a four-game win streak in another league and then lost 129, basically 130 to 73. So, fun stuff. Absolutely fun stuff. Riveting stuff once again here on the Logan Blackman Show again. We will have the quarterback prospect rankings coming out for you for Friday. We will have some World Cup stuff because obviously we got the World Cup coming up on Sunday. And we have... Um, the United States' first game against Wales on Monday. I was trying to remember when, when exactly that game was. But yeah, this was just a venting episode. Pretty much just a venting episode. There's really nothing else to talk about on this show. Who's the best backup QB? Don't know. Don't care. That got, I saw that on Twitter, screenshotted it. I don't know who the best backup is. I, I, maybe it's Case Keenum. I don't know. He didn't play. Hopefully Trey White actually plays this weekend. I don't want him to rush back from an ACL injury, but uh, I wanted to play. I wanted to play bad. 
That's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I apologize. Uh, hope the Bills right the ship against the Cleveland Browns in the potential snow bowl. They're supposed to get about three to six feet of snow, not inches, feet of snow. So hopefully they write the ship against that. And I will see you guys later. Congrats again to the Minnesota Vikings on winning. Congrats to everybody that won this weekend. And we will see you all later. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. And peace.